You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Once a week. I. Taco eater? What? Friend looker at her? not friendship and maker of cereal Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to some guy named Gareth Reynolds who has no idea what the topic is going to be about really really liberal with the intros lately I feel like I nailed that I've become a guy that you've met and friendship for you is looking at someone no, I'm a friend looker at her. It's not. What does that mean? You're looking at what someone else. What am I doing right now? Okay, looking you are. at a friend. You are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> then you could take that friendship into the beginning of the podcast intro. You say, "Let's bring out our guest." Um, I don't know if anyone knows about this guy, but um, new kid. We saw this guy do a tight five uh, in a packed room, and we were like, "Let's give this kid a shot." Yep. Uh, so hopefully he does great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Will Anderson. <laughs> open in a beer. Will open a beer. Holy shit. Not now. I think it's just called growing. I don't think it's the growing. Oh, my policy on yelling out isn't as strict as yours, so let's not get into this. If he wants to yell out good things about me, he can do that. <laughs> March 19th, 1780. Jorgen Jorgensen. Sure. Of the Jorgensons? Oh He's a double Jorgen. He was born in Copenhagen. He was, he was actually he was the Swedish... Yeah, he was the Swedish chef's dad. Yeah. <laughs> Jorgen Jorgensen. <laughs> His dad was a royal clock maker to the Danish king. Okay. <laughs> Nothing to see there. Royal. He was just a guy who was uh, sick of buying expensive department store watches. So he and his friend decided they could start their own clock company. That's right. That's right. They don't have a factory. That's how they cut down on the clock costs. But they have a organization. Yeah. <laughs> so, remember that. God, I wish Jorgen was alive to hear that. He'd love it. From what I've heard so far about the guy, he'd love it. Uh, his mother never fully recovered from uh, his birth and could not nurse him, so a wet nurse was hired. Okay. Jorgen considered the nurse a second mother. Uh, he was also the second of five kids. Two of the other uh, sons followed their dad into clockmaking. Cool. But not Jorgen. Yeah. No. Jorgen was extremely energetic, strong, and could be violent. Oh, that, the last one is what gets you out of the clock factory. Yeah. 
<laughs> Damn it. It was... Uh, <sighs> He's a ticking time bomb. Let's not put him... La- <laughs> hickory! Dickory! Here again! He attacked anyone who offended him. Quote, at the age of four, I was able to beat up any boy age six. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's, it's not, not amazing. Good. It's not great. It's not like at six, you're like, you go through a growth spurt. Right. right. Four beating six is still pretty good. Any yeah. six-year-old. Any six-year-old. Any six-year-old. Uh, he was very smart. He spoke several languages. At 13, Jorgen was the uh, at the top of his uh, at the top of the highest class at the school he was at, with studying with boys as old as 20. And he could passed... he beat them up? Yeah, he could beat up anybody. Awesome. Uh, he passed his final exams at 14 and was done with school. Uh, Jorgen became fascinated with England and its dedication to exploration. Sure, they've always they've had a good track record. <laughs> Finders keepers is the foreign policy of England. (laughs) Exploring, invading, exploring, invading. Let's call the whole thing off. (laughs) You say it's your land and I say it's our land. (laughs) It's our land. It's our land. We changed it. It's our land. (laughs) Um... The Danes were not big fans of the British, but his parents relented and helped him sign up as an apprentice on the Jane, an English coal ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the Jane is an English coal ship. Dave, we know the Jane. I think we all know the Jane. Yeah. Don't talk down to us about the goddamn Jane. All right. You weren't there. All right, take it easy. <sighs> Sorry. Our two favorite boats, Mary and the Jane. Yeah. <laughs> this clock is always set to 420. <laughs> He loved England. He worked on the Jane for four years and spoke fluent English. In 1798, he finished his apprenticeship at 18 and found a job on the Fanny, a a whaler and cargo vessel and English slang for vagina. So we don't have to do it. I am a well-traveled man. Yeah, sure. I just came in on the Fanny. Hello. My name's Jorgen Jorgensen. This boy here says he came in on a pussy. No, 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 no. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, keep going. (laughs) But he deserted the ship in 1799, and in November of 1800, Jorgen was on a ship headed for the Australian colony of New South Wales. He was either a convict on the ship or a sailor... And if he was a convict, he impressed the captain and was freed upon arrival. Okay, so we don't know for sure, but right. either way, he's off. Right. We that, know that, that, that bit of history was written like somebody doing a school report where they hadn't looked up the facts. <laughs> he was on the boat, so he was either a convict on the boat or, like, he was a sailor, I guess, on the boat. So a sailor-convict, maybe a combo, like a convict. Well, he was arrested, but they don't know if he, you know, they don't know what happened after that. But okay. they know when he got to Australia, he was free, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So they filled it in. <laughs> the history people over at the history house <laughs> where, they, where they write, where they fill in the parts. Are you still writing? Yeah. <laughs> 
That'd be great to see that written. Just a lot of spaces. What is he planning? What is he doing? Pausing. Oh. <laughs> Um, in early 1801, he was a crew member on the Lady Nelson. Sure. We all remember that one? Yeah, it's a wrestling move. Uh, <laughs> the Lady Nelson was a surveying and exploring ship. Uh, it was the first ship to find and claim Port Phillip. They did that. They like, rolled up and shot cannons and were like, it's ours now. Okay. Uh, he was promoted to first mate at 22. That's the, great at that age, too. Mm. That's it's a prime age That's to be big. first mate. That's big, yeah. First mate, 22? Yeah, yeah. That's a bright future you got there, sir. <laughs> the Lady Nelson brought uh, the first permanent colonial settlers to Van Diemen's land to get there before the French, who really didn't want it because people already lived there. Oh, so they're, they're but, weird like that? Yeah. <laughs> Weirdos. The Lady Nelson dropped off settlers in 1803 and returned early in 1804 with a second group. The settlement eventually became Tasmania's capital, Hobart. And then everyone lived happily ever after. Thanks, what guys. What a great dollop. Thanks for coming Good out, thank guys. You guys. Australia's a great country. Nothing more to hear here. There Let's we go. just move on. In March 1804, uh, Jorgen signed up as first mate on the Alexander, which was a much larger ship. Mm. The Alexander was headed to London at the time to sell goods, but the captain took a very slow route. First, they went to New Zealand to pick up seal skins, then to Tahiti, where they stayed for seven weeks. So, <laughs> I mean, when you say he took his time. Yeah, he was not in a big hurry. <laughs> no. For a while, Tahiti had been a place for sailors to go and have sex and relax. Seven weeks, huh? <laughs> now, now that we know the details, I'm, sh I'm shocked that this group of classy gentlemen were like, let's not leave. Uh, but now missionaries had come to Tahiti who were basically cock blockers. We're the cock blockers. Put it away. Put them all away. No. Jorgen described the missionaries as weird with a withered bunch of sour evangelical grapes. Fair. They didn't speak Tahitian, they didn't understand Polynesian culture, could barely communicate, and were a bit hypocritical. They preached against extramarital sex and intoxication, but were constantly getting shit-faced and fucking anyone they could. So that's the same. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> was that an eye shit? Could people... Huh? Could they tell that that was going on? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so that's probably... Okay, so that's a clear message. Yep. <laughs> King Palmer II was known to demand brandy, then drink it until he passed out. Okay. Once the king boarded uh, Jorgen's ship and said, quote, Master Christ, very good, very fine fellow. Me love Christ like my own brother. Give me one glass of brandy. I think that's worth another round. <laughs> he repeated this phrase until he had drank, drunk about a pint. Wait, what would he say? But each time he said the same thing. Yeah, he kept saying the same thing. Which was? Master Christ, very good, very fine fellow. Me love Christ like my own brother. Give me one glass of brandy. <laughs> like right up until the end, it's a Trump toy. Like right up. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> And then he grabbed a leg of mutton and began, quote, to gnaw it with his great and ugly teeth. Okay, sure. The crew tried to remove him, and the king said he'd take back everything he said about Christ if they didn't give him another glass of brandy. 
<laughs> oh, you mean all those sweet sentiments he expressed would be retracted? Oh, gosh. Me don't love Christ. He's not my brother. You don't have brandy. So they didn't give him any more brandy, and he yelled, quote, damn Christ, Christ very bad, and then he jumped overboard and swam off. That's, that's how you do religion right. <laughs> do you think he's cool to swim, guys? <laughs> he's had a few brandies, and he ditched Christ. He's drowning. We love Christ, please. Let me love him again. Oh, thanks for saving me. Damn Christ. Fuck Christ. More brandy. Oh, God. This guy. <laughs> he's just circling the ship the whole time. God, I think he's going to try to attack. I don't know what his plan is. Very aquatic. Well, he drinks like a fish. That makes sense. I mean, Jesus. Um, so all of this made Jorgen start to question the church. When... Uh, Alexander, the Alexander left at the beginning of August 1805. Two Tahitians sailed with them, and Jorgen was assigned to take care of them. Hmm. So again, the captain is in no hurry. Uh, he's stopping at port after port, and um, it started to eat into the sailors' salaries because they're just getting paid for the voyage, and the cargo starts uh, deteriorating. A lot of the skins rotted and had to be thrown overboard, and the oil was rotting and leaking, and in June 26, 1806, they arrived in London. Jorgen was now 26. The captain made no profit because everything was fucked. What was his plan? I don't know. I don't think he had one. I mean, he just really he wanted to just chill. You know, every once in a while, there's a really fucking shit captain. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So the captain made no profit. He couldn't collect insurance on the cargo because it was ruled it happened because of his incompetence. Yeah, it's negligence. <laughs> and then the captain was thrown into debtor's prison. Oh. Jesus. So that didn't work out. Jorgen, but he had a good run. Yeah. And a good plan. So now Jorgen's still in charge of the two Tahitians, uh, who he was responsible for. And every spare moment, he's got him living in his place, right? Mm-hmm. And every spare moment, the Tahitians went next door to a pub and drank beer. And then a little while later, Jorgen got the tab. They had been charging it all to him. One of the Tahitians, Jack, was super into sex workers, but didn't always understand who was or who was not a sex worker. That's, uh, um... One day he stopped a very fine woman on the street uh, and said he would pay two shillings for her services, and he was almost lynched. So that happens. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> two shillings. Quite an offer, too. Some serious cash. Yeah. Jorgen got Sir Joseph Banks, the president of the Royal Society and lover of Tahiti, to take charge of the Tahitians, and then Jorgen went back to Copenhagen and his family. He was now a national hero. He was the first Danish explorer to have circumnavigated the globe. Around this time, Britain decided to invade Denmark to take their ships. A volunteer army of Danes tried to hold them back, but they had no uniforms, wore wooden clogs, and were armed only with quote, rusty, cutlass, or instruments of agriculture. Anyway. <laughs> they have a bunch of rakes. Get them. Let's clean the yard. Fuck it. So, it, for whatever reason, it was over pretty quick. Uh, Copenhagen <laughs> was surrounded and bombarded with missiles. Quote, the streets were filled with dead or lacerated horses. Almost 2,000 Danes had been killed. <laughs> Somebody has a weird thing about horses. <laughs> they're, they're dead horses, right? Yep. Or just cut up. Well, I'm assuming that's hard to come back from. 
Yeah, it's not great. It's not yeah. ideal to be a cut. They're laying around. They're cut up horses. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> At least someone's tickled. Um, <laughs> someone heard 2,000 cut horses and was like, <laughs> oh, not everybody? Am I the only one who thinks that's amazing? <laughs> no? Her family were killed by a one-legged horse. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> um, the Danish government surrendered and gave its fleet to the British. Jorgen was stunned. He just spent months talking up how great the British were, and now this. As soon as the British left, Denmark joined France, declared war on Britain, and started rebuilding their navy. By the end of 1808, Denmark had an armed uh, 150 ships most of which were licensed as privateers, and Jorgen was chosen to command one. His mission was to attack British supply routes. He took several ships from the British, but on May 2nd, 1808, he met his match. His ship was badly damaged, and he was forced to surrender. He was taken prisoner, but quickly freed on parole, which was common for high-ranking prisoners of war, on the condition that he not leave Britain. Uh, They put him on country arrest? Yeah, it's like house arrest, but it, it's in a country. And, uh, okay, but he doesn't like the British anymore. No, not as much as he did. And now he's forced to be there. This is he, like a rom-com. He, he feels comfortable around them, but he doesn't li- he's a little mad now. Okay. <laughs> he found lodging at the Spread Eagle Inn. Did he take the fanny there? Uh, he won a lottery... Uh, which was being held there, $1,000, and then he borrowed another 1000 and invested in cargo that was being smuggled. But the cargo disappeared. I can't believe that didn't work out. Yeah, that's mm. weird. <laughs> it's like future profit earnings, essentially. Uh, and Jorgen lost everything. This is when he met a couple of traders who said they had a cargo of tallow waiting in Iceland. If Jorgen could get the tallow to England, he would be handsomely rewarded, but there were a few pro- Yep. What's tallow? It's like a rendered beef situation. I thought it was. Yeah. So here, there were a few problems. First, the British uh, prohibited trading to enemy uh, ports. In, okay. Um, Iceland was controlled by Denmark, who banned all foreigners from trading with Iceland. And Jorgen was on parole and couldn't leave England. So he did it. A man named Phelps gave him the ship, and they would bring the cargo to sell and return with the tallow. Easy money. Another man named Savignac would take charge of the trade. On December 28th, Jorgen and Savignac sailed to Iceland. Now, Iceland is in the middle of a big famine because a volcano had gone off and there, there's nowhere to go. You're like, oh. Is that a quote? I mean, yeah, well, you can, there's oh. not enough boats. And everyone's just like, oh, fuck. Oh, oh. And then the sheep just fall over and die. And you're like, oh, that's what we eat. And then you starve. And then you're like, we're in Iceland. It's <laughs> my version of what happened. Uh, the ship arrived at port near Reykjavik on January 12th, 1809. The governor was away. So acting governor, Isferit Einarsson, refused them permission to trade. So Savignac sent Isferit a letter threatening him. It didn't work. So they just took a ship in the harbor and seized it and held it for ransom. And that did it. Then East 38 signed an agreement lifting the Danish trade monopoly. So now they can trade. Right. Okay. So they went to Reykjavik to sell their goods, but nobody came to buy them. Is that a problem in the business? Yep. Okay. It turns out rural Icelanders were the ones starving, and they only came to Reykjavik in the summer. So well, they were... that... 
It's just bad planning. I mean, yeah. you just got to really do, you got to do a little homework. You got to read a little bit of a, a little about, bit. Yeah. Get a, uh, oh, they're not here now. Oh God, we <laughs> are. Get a get a travel book or something before you go to a fucking country and read about it. You yeah. don't just fucking come wandering in and go, what do they do in Brisbane? Because well, then you see a volcano. <laughs> no, no, Dave. Nobody, nobody, that's not a... The answer is the nothing. Okay, let's... <laughs> I think that's... Nope. Uh, so, uh, the only people that live in Reykjavik are Danish officials. And so, there's no tallow to pick up. That's not even there. So, they don't even have the tallow? No, they got nothing. So, in mid-March, they gave up and went back. They go back empty. With their tallow between their legs. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, so they have to go back empty because they've left the cargo with uh, Savignac. So, to, so they need weight in the ship, so they had to take rocks from Iceland. The Icelanders charged them for the rocks. Jesus. So they ended up having to pay 235 pounds for a bunch of rocks. <laughs> so they're not good at business. Right. <laughs> so Savignac stayed behind trying to sell the cargo. He's going to wait till the spring, till the people came out of their... Death Valleys, whatever was happening. <laughs> yeah, sure. You'd say is, they were all, okay. So he demanded uh, use of an empty government official's house, and they said if they didn't give him the keys, that he'd just break in and take it over. Seems so, like he is an aggressive negotiator. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. Right. So they let him have it. Okay. And then in London, Phelps, the guy who owned the ship, started a second expedition to recover his investment, and this time a British government warship went first, and they'd pave the way and be like, hey, they should be able to trade. And then they'd roll in and, yeah, it's all stupid. Okay. So in Iceland, the uh, governor, Trempa, came back. So Easter, it had signed the trade agreement, and Governor Trempa was mortified and ruled the agreement invalid and said any trade with Britain would now be punishable by death. So the rover comes rolling in, and the captain commanded Governor Trempa to restore the trading agreement, or he would do so with force. Okay. Iceland was basically defenseless. They didn't have any army, so... Yeah, that's like, their whole deal. They were like, okay. Uh, oh, this is like oh. volcanoes, but... Oh, it's people. We used to have oh. those rocks we throw at people. Where are they? Well, oh, well, well, we oh. have, let's throw the money at them that we made. Oh, oh. Why did we sell the rocks? Oh. Those were our only defenses. Oh. Throw the tallow! <laughs> What is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's beef? rendered beef, but we don't have any beef. Where's the beef? Oh, my God, this is shit. <laughs> Tello, it's beef. <laughs> That's right, it's beef. <laughs> Thanks, Jingle. <laughs> so they, they give in, and now they let trading happen. So okay. the rover ship takes off, and then Governor Trump immediately reinstates the trading ban, and then Jorgen's ship rolls out. Uh-oh. But they've been warned about the trading situation. Savignac r- rode out to join them, and they talked about what to do, and they planned for four days. And then on day five, Sunday, June 25th, they took action. Most people were in church, and a lifeboat carrying the captain and a dozen sailors armed with muskets and swords rode in and went to the governor's house. The front door was unlocked, so they went in. And they said that they were seizing the governor as a prisoner of war and took him to the harbor and 
by armed escort and put him in a cabin on the ship. Jesus. I mean, that reaction makes me think they were going to behave like that regardless of whether the door was open or not. Well. Yeah. I think that's fair. <laughs> but I, I, I also I, think, I also think. All right, if it's open, we get it. <laughs> ah, bugger. He's read our book. Unbelievable. <laughs> if only it was unlocked. Imagine what we are. All right, turn around. It was locked. He's a genius. I don't know. He figured it out. Put your muskets down. He locked it. He wins. <laughs> so no one on the streets did anything when they walked the governor through under armed escort. So <laughs> Jorgen took this as an approval of their actions. Uh, the governor, they put him in this cabin on the ship, and then the governor has a 17-year-old Norwegian secretary boy who rode out and begged in tears to be allowed to stay with the governor. He wants to be. He's like, take me as well. Yeah, he wanted to be with his man. And they were like, all right, weirdo. <laughs> okay. Uh he, and he's just a boy, he's a boy secretary? Norwegian boy, He's yeah. a Norwegian boy who's the secretary, governor's secretary. Yeah. Okay. And scared to be alone. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a little codependency. Yeah, there was something going on there. Okay. That's, okay. The takeover of Iceland happened in less than an hour. Since the invaders... <laughs> That's really... Is that a record? <laughs> with commercials. Like an hour with commercials. Yes, on the television. <laughs> Uh, since the invaders did not have British support, they decided to pick a governor who was not British. Jorgen was it. Wow. Oh. He was installed as, quote, His Excellency, the Protector of Iceland and the Commander of Sea and Land. Hang on. He's like been there four days, right? Yeah. yeah not long. Oh, man. <laughs> and he's Poseidon as well now? Fucking hell. <laughs> and uh, he controls sea, too. Uh, what? Uh, everything's coming up Jorgen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he can wind. talk to the fish. Yeah. <laughs> man. His first public announcement appeared the next day. He ordered all weapons, public funds, and keys to warehouses to be turned over. It ended with, quote, should any person act in opposition to what is here directed, he shall immediately be arrested, brought before a military tribunal, and shot within two hours after the offense is committed. I mean, it seems pretty quick, but it's twice the amount of time it took for them to take over their country. Oh, that's a lifetime. (laughs) Don't worry, we have two hours. The next day... So how are the people... What, what are his poll numbers like? Are people liking his yeah. new sort of... <laughs> they're loving what rule? he's doing. They like the new direction? They're like a bold, bold choice maker. That's like good. Yeah, somebody who's willing to make decisions. So the next day, Jorgen declared, quote, Iceland is free and independent of Denmark. He then got busy. He released everyone in Reykjavik's prison and converted it to barracks for his new national army. The army consisted of eight men, all volunteers... Though basically most had been inmates in the prison and just decided they wanted to stay there. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. All your stuff's there and you're free. Yeah, what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll be in an army instead, <laughs> whatever. I was rotting and yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm go free in right now. now and I already know where everything is. Yeah, no, it's yeah. great. It's all my stuff. My stuff's here. Uh, I go in and out now? Uh, yeah, 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 you yeah. can go in and sure. out. Yeah, I'm, ar- I'm army yeah. then. You're in the yeah. army. Yep. Yeah. You, <laughs> uh, that... Jorgen, Jorgen. <laughs> I wish there were more than eight of you, but stop, stop. You're too good. Pick me up, pick me up. Everyone, pick, come on. It's your fucking legs. Let's go. 
So Jorgen wiped out all debts to the Danish government and trading companies. Uh, this was very popular on the island. And Iceland was about to get its own flag, a blue ba- background with three white cod. With, th- <laughs> with three white cods? Yeah. Three white cod. It's, yep. Three fish on a uh, blue. Blue. I mean, I guess he is taking over the sea, so he's allowed to pick his flag. Yeah, is he Aquaman? He can talk to the fish. Okay. But even if you're going to put fish on your flag, which is fine, like, do it. But why just three cod? Like, there's heaps of fish. Well, this This is when they only know about cod. Like, put one cod and, like, one Nemo and a shark. (laughs) Well, the shark's going to eat the other one. Yeah, you can't have a shark on a... They can't put them on the same flag. You can't have a shark on a flag with a cod. No, he'll eat it right away, Will. Oh, my God. Sharks like cod. You are such a farm guy. (laughs) He doesn't know that. Mate, I'm fucking turf, not surf, so... <laughs> uh, and he raised the salaries of clergy so that Sunday morning sermons became about how awesome things were. Okay. On day three, Jorgen heard there were rumors that people were afraid to travel to the city, thinking a bloody revolution had occurred. Mm. So he promised to punish anyone caught spreading false reports. <laughs> that's how you get rid of that worry. Yeah, that's a good way to stamp it out. People are worried they're going to get killed. Well, if they're talking about it, I'll kill them. (laughs) What, are you kidding me? (laughs) Jorgen started getting petitions requesting favors. One man asked him to intervene with the bishop to allow uh, the man to divorce because the man's wife had been imprisoned for sheep stealing, so he wanted a new wife. She's in the army now. (laughs) Don't worry about anything. So he wants a new wife, so Jorgen smooths things out with the bishop. So he's fucking doing his part. So that's the solution? Okay, well, we'll just get you a new wife. Yeah, they let him have a new wife. Okay. Well, that's what happens. If your wife goes to prison, then you got to get another one. Is that the? What are you is gonna that do? what happens? What are you going to do, not fuck for a week? Mm. <laughs> She's a lucky lady, Dave. Yep. I was just, I was just saying, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this one, because... Uh, <laughs> Now, none of this was easy because Jorgen did not speak the native language. Oh, my God. And he knew absolutely nothing about Iceland and its cultures. But he really liked being in charge. But he's a Washington outsider, which I like. that's what I'm fucking talking about. (laughs) He issued letters and orders, and he inspected his troops, and he threw parties. Okay. Then he really started to get into it. On July 11th, he released a proclamation, quote... That we, Jorgen Jorgensen, have undertaken the management of public affairs under the name of protector until a settled constitution can be fixed on with powers to make war or peace with foreign powers. How did it start? <laughs> uh, it started uh, that we, Jorgen Jorgensen, have that un- we, Jorgen Jorgensen. Yeah, I think he's saying we, my people, the royal, the, ra- the, the royal, the royal we. We. oh, the royal Jorgensen. The royal we. Because he's kind of oh, just making he's, he's just making himself like the the boss. He's turning himself the, yeah. into like yeah okay Some, yeah. So he's yeah. become some unconstitutional leader type. Right. Uh, Jorgen was essentially announcing himself as king. He also wrote quote that the military have nominated me their commander by land and sea and to regulate the whole military department in right. the country. Enough sea. Yeah. Enough of the sea talk. The sea's not been involved. You throw yeah. three cods on a flag, you don't rule the sea. <laughs> no, he's got the eight guys. Yeah, he's got eight guys, and then he's like, the sea's mine, too. Yeah. This guy's three cod short of a flag, Dave. <laughs> uh, 
Two and a half weeks into his reign, Jorgen set out with five <laughs> army members. I can't believe how long. I mean, the, the, the fact that everyone's like, oh, this sucks, but what are we going to do? He's got an army of eight, and I mean, what are we going to do? He's got a flag. I don't want to be rude to the guy. Also, two weeks in their time is a lot of time. That's like, yeah. what, 360 invasions? Yeah. <laughs> well, mo- most people, they didn't give a shit. They were like farmers, and some guy's like, I rule the city. And they're like, yeah, all right, I'm, gonna, all right. I'm here with my sheep. Right. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so two and a half weeks, and he, go- he takes five army members to travel and meet the people of the island. Over half the army, huh? Yeah. Oh, more, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big number. <laughs> Most Danish merchants were not happy to see him, and in one incident, Jorgen pulled out his gun during a disagreement. He also argued with a district governor and ended it by having his men pile brushwood around the governor's house and threatening to set it on fire. (laughs) So he's getting shit done. Hi. Hi, cold beer. Nate. No, what? There's a lot of fucking animal noises happening. Those ones are warmer, so that's why I didn't take them. I'll put those. them in here. So, um, solve it. Clang, clang. Okay, that's done. So, when Jorgen returned, he found Phelps had started building a fort on the shore. Phelps was also confiscating Danish property. Uh, the entire trip for him was about making money, and he was plundering. Then on August 14th, a British ship, the Talbot, came. Captain Jones had come to investigate. And on August 20th, Jones ruled that Phelps had far exceeded his limited authority by taking over an entire island. (laughs) That was an overreach? Yeah. Okay. Jorgen had broken international law, quote, by assuming an authority which no subject of any realm, whatever, can have a right to, namely that of declaring this island free, neutral, independent, and at peace with all nations. So it doesn't work like that. No, you can't do that. Okay, because the whole time I'm, I'm thinking, this doesn't work like this. Yeah, I mean, it did for a little while. Two months about is about, I think, about how long he <laughs> okay. ruled Iceland. And then what do you plead at the end of that? You're just like, adorable? I don't know. <laughs> Ambitious? Yeah, uh, what do I you mean, want? How about a fucking, yeah. How about I'm a sorry. I didn't know no better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jorgen was removed from power. Governor Tempa would be But he brought... still had the sea, right? Yeah, he still rules the sea. <laughs> awesome. Finally. And then he can still talk to the fish. Like, right. that's an innate power that he has. Oh, well, yeah, his approval rating with the cod was through the roof after the flag. They, it's a huge cod Big guy. cod vote. <laughs> they really turned out. Uh, so Governor Tempa was brought to London as a prisoner of war, and all of Jorgen's proclamations were abolished. I love that they okay. even had to do that. Right. Hey, all this shit the crazy guy's been saying, it's out. Oh, thank God. Okay. Can we, the governor get out of the fire pit? No. Oh. Um, all government officials were rehired. The only thing that didn't go back to 100% was that British subjects would be allowed to live and do business with the island. See, Jorgen wept for his, quote, poor, unfortunate Icelanders. Wait, wait. The guy who's been in charge for two and a half months or yeah, two months? Two months. He's like inconsolable right yeah, now. He's like, what about my people? Yeah, what will they I? do? Oh. The guy who did not understand the language, the culture, came in and just went, mine, for two weeks is now really upset yeah. someone else is yeah. in charge. Yeah. Oh, we had it all. and We had a plan. Captain Jones called Jorgen, quote, a good-natured madman. <laughs> Uh, he's super cool, but he's just fucking nuts. Sorry, you said that he is... Oh, well, well I mean, technically, we call him a loose unit. 
and he's a good man? Yep. And crazy. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Out of his fucking mind. Have you seen the flag? Yeah, no, the flag's terrible. You know, I would say get a shark on there. <laughs> yeah, you can't put a shark on there with the cod. It'll eat the cod. Right, it'll eat the cod. You're not from the sea, are you? I'm not. I'm not. You would have known that. Yeah. Shark and cod are, like, not down with each other. Right. Well, good to catch up. Uh, so they left two Danish brothers were put in charge Uh, in Denmark the government officially condemned Jorgen as a traitor and put a bounty on his head on August 25th exactly two months after the invasion Jorgen was taken from his kingdom as two ships set off for Britain since there were not enough crew Jorgen served as an unofficial crew member wait but he's the reason for the trip well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're bringing him back and the other guys, the Phelps and... Right, but now he's got an internship? Well, he's got to work, work also because there's not enough guys. Okay, it's a little awkward. Yeah. Let's get me there. <laughs> Come on, guys, dig deep. Uh, a storm hit and the ship separated, and then one ship caught on fire. It's a tough one. <laughs> there I mean, it's tough when your ship catches on fire while at sea. Yeah. And also when it's raining. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I guess it was just a tough day. It was going to happen. Uh, I think wind's going to have to get us out of this one, gang. I don't know what we're praying for. Put it out. We'll sink. Oh, fuck. So there weren't enough lifeboats, and the seas were too rough to launch the ones they had, and everyone started to panic. Then Jorgen's ship appeared in the distance, and he came and jumped onto the burning ship, and, quote, set the crew to work, launching boats, and even rescued the cats, dogs, and sheep on board. All right. Well. Oh, that, yeah, that's the end. I know someone who's not clapping, the horse giggler up there. She's like, duh, why? Waste the she's space. Up, she's up there like, that's just tell me luggage. one. Tell me one horse died on this fucking ship. <laughs> or at least a cut. Uh, he also rescued his friend, William Hooker, who was on the ship. Others confirmed Jorgen was the hero. But now the other ship was super overloaded, so they had to return to Reykjavik. So they sailed for Britain again, this time on two ships, and Phelps and Jorgen had a fight. Phelps was drunk and upset about all his financial losses, and he grabbed Jorgen by his neck cloth and twisted it. <laughs> oh, how dare he? He's twisted his neck cloth? Whoa. Etiquette much? (laughs) Jorgen refused to fight him. Quote, I said not a word. I put up with it very quietly. I just picture it like this. You. You've ruined everything, you. Now, if you do it again, I'll come back for a second lashing. Okay. All right, thanks. Hey, I'm sorry about earlier. I... uh... I got such a temper. I really... I shouldn't have done that. And um, God, I'm a... Are you okay? I think my neck cloth is a little stretched. Yeah. I really twisted it back there. <laughs> I'm was, a monster. That was violent. Yeah. I, uh, I've been drinking. You should see what I did to this kerchief. <laughs> <laughs> I need help, man. I beat up an owl, Scott. I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> I drowned a bow tie last week. 
Oh, it feels good to say. Oh, it feels good to say. Got any cigarettes? <laughs> uh, the ships arrived in Britain on September 19th. Jorgen made a good scapegoat, and his enemies aligned against him. His only his he friend... He saved the scapegoat in the rescue boat, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Only his friend... The escape goat. (laughs) 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 Only his friend William Hooker stood by him. Jorgen was arrested for violating parole. He tried to get off on a technicality because the letter sent to him was addressed to, quote, captain of a French privateer, (laughs) which he said he was not, but it didn't work. (laughs) It's not me. I'm I'm not the French. Uh, so Jorgen was put on the prison ship Bahama. It's a fucked up name for a prison ship. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a vacation, but you're in jail. He was These a- are my slave ships. Uh, this is the Bermuda. This is the Bahama. Come on, pretty mama. <laughs> <laughs> Jorgen started writing. He wrote drafts of a uh, historical account of a revolution on the island of Iceland in was, the year 1809. It was two, it was two months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to let go at some point. You What's had a good a, little run. You had a nice little break. Back to the reality. Historical account. <laughs> From who? People are wanting to know the history of the island. No, he does. Uh, trust it's me, it's a big moment. It's a big moment. It's a big deal. <laughs> uh, he also wrote The Autobra- Autobiographical Adventures of Thomas Walter. Um... <laughs> Uh-huh. He wrote an autobiography mm. on Thomas Walter. Yep. Not a lot of people brave enough to try to do stuff like that, Dave. Uh, he Did wrote... he not know what an autobiography was, or he just was crazy? Yes. <laughs> Thanks for closure. He wrote in English, though he did have a strong Danish accent, quote, I am not responsible because the English have taken it into their heads to pronounce some of the letters of the alphabet in a manner different from all other European nations. So, Dave, (laughs) I was just going to say, you must have read that and been like, hero. We have a goddamn hero here. In 1810, he was released to... uh, Reading, a town for paroled enemy officers. Or is it Reading? Do they Redding. call Reading there? Yeah. <laughs> Reading? The irony. He was, he was, uh, <laughs> what did he say? I don't know. What did you say? <laughs> he was Reading and writing. Uh, so it's a town for paroled officers. Okay. The he, whole town is? Yeah. Okay. So he stayed for 10 months, and at this point he was living on loans from his friend Hooker. His lenders started pestering him for repayment, and Jorgen refused to take any job lower than a captain, because that was beneath him. And he wrote two new books. Oh, boy. Description of the Kingdom of Chandria and the Adventures of King Detrimedes, a fantasy set in a fictional Central Asian kingdom. What what happened to him in Iceland? He just, like, he got bit by the entertainment bug all of a sudden. He's like, you know, after my two months of ruling Iceland... (laughs) I want to write a movie. I really, I think I could be really good. Does he have any connection to this shit? No. He's, he's just, Are they he's like just even lo- They're not even loosely based on his time in Iceland anymore, right? No, he's just making shit up. Okay. 
It's hard to make uh, your second and third book weirder than your first one, which was an autobiography not about you. Yeah. But he found a way. He did. <laughs> now, Jorgen continually wrote to Hooker while he was in Reading, quote, One friend, an Englishman, equal true, faithful, and that is you, my dear Hooker. He described the peculiar pleasure he took in communicating his thoughts to Hooker. He said he felt a bond of friendship, which depended not on time, but on, quote, something else. Something like what the French call je ne sais quoi. Oh. Another I, letter. I'm starting to think Hooker's not real or something. <laughs> like, I think it's no, Hooker's like, real. Okay. I'm Hooker's wait. actually a famous guy. Okay. Another letter, quote, I see good nature in everything you say and do, and the longer I am acquainted with you, the more I love you. Pray, is that a proper expression to a man in this country? Jorgen said he missed Hooker so much he could not sleep. Okay. He kept getting up early and going to bed late, quote, which proceeds from being such a short distance from you and not confined, for I think it hard not to see you. Yes! I think it hard not to be able to embrace, to shake hands with you, my glorious friend. I have loved, I have loved deeply indeed, but never... Did I, with such eagerness, wish to see any person <laughs> as I do you now? God, how happy I shall be when I see you the first time. I'm going to ink. <laughs> yours, so, your organ donor, Jorgen donor. <laughs> I've got a Jorgen for you. So is it... Mutual? It, is, yeah, is it? Nope. Okay, so it uh, is just totally unrequited. Yeah. Okay. Jorgen's feelings <sighs> were not. That's like the overtext. Yeah. You know? Well, plus Jorgen kept What asking, an amazing evening. I could see myself spending the rest of my life with you. She hasn't written back. Uh, <laughs> plus Jorgen kept asking for money with all these letters. Okay. <laughs> I love you so much. I want to touch you. I want to be inside of you. Can I have $5? <laughs> In August 1811, Jorgen was released from Reading. Was the, were any letters written back? Was he just like, no. Jesus, another one? Not that, we, not that I could find. My love. I mean, we, we've got a fictional ruler of a country and a guy writing letters asking for money. This is the original Nigerian fucking scam. <laughs> no, it's not a scam. I just yeah. have to send him 5,000 shillings and then I get 500,000 in like two months. Once he figures his shit back out. Yeah. He used to be king of Iceland. Yeah. He's a great dude. Yeah. He wrote an autobiography, not about him. Uh, so he keeps asking for money. In August 1811, Jorgen was released from Reading and moved to London a free man. By September, he was in debt again and confined to a sponging house, which to is a sort sponging of sponging house, like a pr- private semi-prison kind of thing. What? What is there? An... I think it's yeah. He's a fucking sponger. He uses. He's a sponge guy. What does that mean? He likes sponge cake or he's cleaning shit with sponges? Yeah. Or he just absorbs information? All yep. the things. Yeah, okay. anything to do with sponge. Okay. Everything sponge related. Yep. They have sponges back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think you're placating me. <laughs> Around this time, Hooker stopped giving Jorgen money and suddenly their relationship cooled. Oh, really? He wasn't into it anymore? Yeah. Interesting. My boner is gone, dear sir. My love, my boner's gone. 
because my wallet is empty. Yeah. Jorgen borrowed money from a former landlord to pay off his debt and get out of the sponging house. Then his drinking got out of control. Quote, he drank like a sponge. I do not think I was sober for three months on a stretch and so violent that I, that, I, that I scarcely a day passed over my head, but I got into some scrape. Whatever, that's all fucked up. He also became a compulsive gambler. He wasn't good at it, but he kept trying. That's, that's the compulsive part. On November 21st, 1811, he was thrown into the King Bench debtor's prison. What, what kind of gambling is going on? I don't know. What are they betting on? Um, I bet you this will sink. What could they? I guess they're probably just playing games. I don't think they were betting on like... Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. No boxing. Okay. Uh, rat <laughs> races. Well, all right. I think the list took a dive. Uh, pretty fast. Cod fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cod fighting. Cod, cod fighting. Cod fighting. Put them in the ring. Oh, wait, they're dead. <laughs> the hell? This has shark written all over it. <laughs> hey, this is fixed. That cod ain't fighting. He's fighting. He's trying. He's scared of the he's other cod. He's just laying there. No, he's not. He's, he's trying. It's a fix. It's not a fix. He's Come on. He was good in practice. Go, buddy. Go. <laughs> you buckled out there, little man. <laughs> Gotta change your training. Something we're not doing right. I don't know what it is. Um, in January, he was freed again. He began taking a tonic medicine that made him, quote, as happy as a king. Uh, and that time, wait, first of all, he, he well, knows what that feeling is, right? He's one of the few people who's like, no, it's true. You know what? Coming from other people, it'd feel like hyperbole, but <laughs> yes, he knows. But for me, it's actual experience. <laughs> Whew, this takes me back to the best two months of my life. It's a good-ass tonic. <laughs> he wrote to Hooker. Quote, <laughs> my love, the psychic has driven all ill humors out of my body, cooled my blood, and my frugal mode of living restored harmony and peace to my mind, which had for a long time been in a tumultuous state, all topsy-turvy. You see, like the magnetic needle always pointing to the true north, so do I always return to my friend Hooker. When I have yeah, anything Yeah, it does sound like he's on some pretty good shit now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to work. He decided he wanted to work as a war correspondent. War respondent. A war respondent. And he went to the Iberian Peninsula. Um, but he didn't find work. Then he was either hired or shanghaied into service. Shanghaied. On, on, <laughs> on a British Navy ship and quickly kicked out. Okay. Uh, he wrote to Hooker, a deadly and slow poison consumes me gradually. Is, Hooker, is, uh, is he getting the letters? Do we yeah, know if I mean, there's any correspondence? It's, I think it's pretty one-sided. Okay, so he's just, I mean, this is just, at some point, you got to take a hint. I like the idea that he doesn't even have an address. He's just writing them like a kid's letter to Santa. Yeah, totally. Dear to Hooker. <laughs> he's just talking about changes in his mood that have not been addressed by the other side at all. He's like, okay. Well, here's my update since you're so tight-lipped. <laughs> I've been drinking tonic, and I've been shanghai You good? Right back. <laughs> uh, I, I, so, a deadly and slow poison consumes me gradually and runs through my veins. Sickness <laughs> preys upon my vitals. What you been up to? <laughs> 
How you doing, my man? Um, in the spring of 1813, Jorgen visited Hooker and stayed a while. One day a visitor came by and asked Hooker who the, quote, strange-looking man wearing the sailor's clothes was. Hooker replied, quote, oh, that is the king of Iceland. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, thought you guys were crazy for a minute. Your Majesty? Fucking psycho. All right, bye, guys. Oh, that's my friend, the king of Iceland. He's wearing a sailor's uniform. He's drinking tonic. You good? Uh, in the summer of 1813, Jorgen was back in the sponging house, and then he was put in fleet prison. There he wrote a history of the Afghan revolution and a manuscript on Russia. What? How? Dave. Dave. What's going on? He just, he's just allotted himself knowledge of everything? Is he reading anything? He's just writing the history of Afghanistan in a book about Russia with just, like, my intuition ought to do it. Ah, uh, yeah, Russia started out of potato spores. Boom, now we're off. <sighs> Hooker finally stopped replying to his letters. Okay. Jorgen somehow got a job translating documents from Scandinavian into English. Well, he knows about every other country. I mean, surely... Then somehow, the guy who had hired him recruited him into the British Intelligence Service. Whoa. Mm. He's in that. What? <laughs> Taking a little turn. Yeah. Well, look, he, he was, he's, the king of, he's been the king of Iceland, so yeah. he has experience <laughs> in lying. Uh, no, with foreign relations. Yeah. Sure. But, that comprehensive history of Russia. Yeah, is that what got him hired? Is it the fact may, that he wrote book, books that were based on nothing? They were like, we had no idea Afghanistan <laughs> had snow. Welcome aboard, rookie. We got a good feeling about you. Now tell us more about Russia being underwater. <laughs> the whole thing is underwater, yeah. I think he got the job just because he was good at the translating job. But right. Okay. But I, that's all I took from it. <laughs> His, his first assignment was they send him to Waterloo to report on it. He's king of the water again. Jorgen quickly gambled away his first paycheck before he left and had to sail across the English Channel as a hired hand. He then had to travel on foot to Waterloo. He claimed he saw the battle but probably arrived after it had ended. Okay. So then he went to Paris where he had a breakdown. Finally, this has been a long time coming. <laughs> it's about, I was starting to think he had no judgment. Quote, built a little butt of branches of trees. I tore my clothes and remained unseen for four days when I was taken up naked. I was placed in a maison de santé. The doctor, comprehending my case, applied bleeding, purging, blistering, and hot baths with a moist, rigid diet. I was cured and cooled in six weeks. So he was found naked. Mm -hmm. In the bushes. They drained him of blood. Yep. Put leeches and, uh, or blisters on him, purged him. And he was like, that was bath. good. Yeah, now he's good. Just six weeks. Okay. But he was better. British intelligence told him to go to Russia and gave him more money. So <laughs> and we don't need to tell you what to do. You're obviously very familiar with Russian culture. 
You wrote an autobiography on Rush, I believe, correct? <laughs> <laughs> so he stopped at a Paris casino and oh, lost all the money. Jesus. <gasps> he literally lost his shirt and had to keep his overcoat buttoned up to his neck on his walk to Russia. Chilly, isn't it? Cold, isn't it? <laughs> Jorgen arrived in Germany on New Year's Day, 1816. Jorgen then just made up fake reports and stayed in... Berlin gambling for eight months. Okay. So he was just writing reports about being in Russia while just well, in Berlin. Very, very comfortable position for him. Yeah. Things are great here. Everything I said in the book, pretty much true. <laughs> Send money. After he went back to London and spent three years just gambling. On May 25th, 1820, he was arrested for stealing and pawning the mattress, blankets, and pillow from his rented room. <laughs> <laughs> so you just go sell it all, and you're like, can you send the maid up? I'm actually, I need turnover service. For the bed. Just, like, the hardest thing to steal from your hotel room is the fucking mattress. Like, how do you get... Well, he's got that big coat now. It's buttoned all the way up. How are you? Great meal. Well, I should go... Ta-ta. Open the other door, too, please. I think it'll take two to get me out of here. Have you put on shoulders? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just... Uh, I'm, I'm working out. I've been yeah. working out a little bit. Um, you know, I got a, I'm on a low-carb, uh-huh. enormous body thing. Yeah, you're very, and, um, you've gotten very rectangular. I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of upper body stuff to sort of tangle out, as we call it. I'm trying to tangle out a little bit. You know, get that rectangle. The rectangle forms in now. Now listen to me talking a mile a minute. I should get out of here. Don't make me strong arm you now, Sonny. (laughs) Why are you holding a pillow? I I take this with me when I travel. When I walk, I take the pillow with me when I walk. Um, But the truth is that I'm so muscular. And again, I'm going right now. But I'm so muscular that I hold this in case I bump into someone. They're not knocked of the steel that I am now. Anyway, I should get a move on. Yeah. And I got blankets in my pants. And uh, sorry, should yep. point that out. There's blankets yeah, in my pants too. Yeah, I have yeah. blankets in my pants. And um, yeah, so I'm doing the. I'm tangling out. Blankets in my pants. Holding the pillow. Yeah, just. Uh, I'll be back soon. And I, I, when I come back, I might not look like this. I got to tell you oh. that right off the bat too. It's a whole thing where I'll go out there and I might not look like this when I come back. I might not even have the pillow, and I might have my money, and I might be gambling. But chances are the next time you see me after that, I'll be tangled out again. And I'll, which reminds me, I'm going to need to switch rooms. <laughs> Other one doesn't have a bed. I don't know what kind of shit show this is. Get your act together, gang. I just grabbed the wrong beer. <laughs> so... <laughs> He was sentenced to seven years' transportation for stealing the mattress, blankets, and pillow. Jesus. Again, what gets you punished? For the, what carries what term Everything was Everything was seven or 14 years or death. Like, okay. That was yeah, right. all yeah. it fucking was. Yeah, I hope it I didn't matter seven. what you stole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he got a job as an assistant in the prison hospital helping the surgeon, and Jorgen turned out to be an excellent medical student. Okay. After a year and a half, Jorgen was released. <laughs> well, he actually wrote the book. Yeah, he did. He actually did. <laughs> Medicine, a book about me. <laughs> Thomas Howell. 
the hell is this? I've written a book on the history of Russian medicine. <laughs> From the perspective of an otter. What is he doing? I'm sorry, I meant auteur. <laughs> so, he... After a year and a half, Jorgen was released on the condition that he leave Britain for his seven-year sentence. <laughs> That's the That's, opposite. I, uh, is, it's got to be opposite. kind of like great to get to the point where people want you gone so much they're like, just get just out of here. Go. Just go. We'll wipe away everything you've yeah, done. All right, I'll leave. Off the fucking island. All right. So, of course, he didn't leave. Right. <laughs> of course. And instead, he just started gambling. <laughs> hey, did you hear Jorgensen's leaving? I bet he doesn't. Take that action. <laughs> I'll see your five with a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> I got two queens and a king. So So, uh, so on September 28, 1822, he was arrested for not leaving and sentenced to death. <laughs> what are you going to do? Arrest me for not leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know what I get, seven or 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, what? Oh, God. No, I... Oh. Um, that was a standard sentence for someone who fled transportation. So then his old friend Hooker came through. Now, Hooker, Hooker's getting more and more famous and, uh, as a botanist, and he comes through for his old friend and submitted a petition to commute the sentence, and using his contact, Jorgen's life was saved. Okay. And then Jorgen found religion. But he wasn't, f wasn't freed. On December 1825, he was put on a ship for Australia and headed for Tasmania, the colony Jorgen had helped found in 1803. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was a long fucking time yeah, ago. That's, it feels, I mean, I feel like I lived it. <laughs> I forgot Australia was involved in this yeah. story. And, <laughs> and fine with it. Whatever, man. Let's do Iceland. <laughs> We've been there. <laughs> so Hobart Town had grown over the 23 years since. Free settlers had been moving in and uh, made money selling wool. But Tasmania was still basically an open-air prison with about 7,000 convicts. Bushrangers terrorized settlements. Drunk sailors roamed Hobart, creating cons uh, chaos. Floggings and hangings were common. Jorgen had the claim to fame that he'd been present at the colony's founding. So he landed as kind of a famous guy, and he got a sweet job as a clerk in the customs house in Hobart. And after a couple of months, he uncovered a big banknote bank note forgery operation, and the criminals were arrested, one was executed, and Jorgen was a hero. The, he's busting people on forgery? Yeah. <laughs> he's finding inauthentic writings problematic? <laughs> yeah. What a guy. <laughs> he got a new job. <laughs> Partly because he was Does now... Does he get every job? Is he Forrest Gump? <laughs> kind of is. But he's now kind of like a known snitch. 
Uh, and the job was out of the city. He was hired to lead a party of explorers into the Northwest Forest in search of good land. He was given a map, which was the only map in existence. Oh, well, the, be careful. Good Lord. We, are you, where is it? Oh, we don't know anything again. Oh, God damn it. Most of the map was a large open space marked, This Country is Unknown. <laughs> You think that map's bad? You should say the one that drawn on the apple. <laughs> wow. Got it. Wow. <laughs> Jorgen and two other convicts were supposed to find a route to the coast. One of the convicts was a black guy from Af- Africa who Jorgen called Black George. George would do. <laughs> I mean, everybody. I mean, knows. unless there was another George around, <laughs> yeah. it feels unnecessary. Yeah. Like if there's two Georges, like it's Survivor, and then one has to be like Matty B, and one has to be Matty C, or whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah, white and black George, you yeah. could do that. Yeah. Okay. Was there two Georges? Nope, just one George. Okay. okay. Uh, Shocking. Black guy. They went out on October 11th. Could he 8- call him Liar Jorgensen? <laughs> Why would he? Yeah. They went out on October 11th, 1826, but the land was difficult and there were no kangaroo to hunt. There were also no trees with big branches enough to build shelter. Wood was too wet to burn. In the foothills, they had to walk through snowdrifts a meter and a half deep, and they hacked their way through scrub, tearing their clothes, and they found nothing. Their dogs were close to starving. Then fog came, and they got totally lost. Finally, Jorgen said they should turn back. All three men's feet were now frozen numb, they went back down and soon were back amongst kangaroo where they ate and rested for a few days and returned to Hobart to collect nine weeks' pay for the journey. Okay. On February 1827, Jorgen joined a party for another trip into the wilderness. He was not the leader this time. A younger, more experienced surveyor, uh, Clement Lorimer, was chosen for that job. Uh, they argued the entire time. The train was rougher. The days passed. They were soaked. There was no wildlife. The dogs and men were starving. One of the dogs got pregnant. What? <laughs> oh, from another dog. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. We can't say for sure. I mean, like for a second, push... I was like, you're <laughs> They find a bunch of letters he's been writing to the dog for yeah. months. <laughs> <laughs> the baby comes out, it's a Yorgi. <laughs> I like how dogs, even when they're starving, are like, we should fuck. <laughs> Come on, what else are we going to do? What's going on out here? Come on, nothing to eat. Um, another dog kept eating what, uh, I don't what like kangaroo he caught okay. before the man could take it away. And finally, one man just shot the dog when he was eating a kangaroo. Oh. The third dog, Boxer, could hardly walk and was useless, so they all turned around. Then the dog gave birth. Rain poured down. Rations are running out. They probably ate the puppies. Jones went hunting. things are going pretty well. Jones went hunting with two dogs and came back with one. He said it had run off as he rubbed his stomach and twirled the toothpick in his mouth. (laughs) No, yeah, that one's gone. Oh, you guys, we should nap. Yeah. Woo! They saw their destination, a mountain, and decided to take a shortcut and head directly for it. Big mistake. 
They kept getting stuck in mud. There was no fresh water. And Dunn, who was still injured, was so thirsty, he drank seawater and went partially mad. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's quite a move. I'm dying. A little seawater ought to help. I'm living. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm the king of Iceland. He's had too much. Uh, here no we more go. salt water for him. <laughs> the next day, they arrived at Duck River. The river was deep and fast. They built the raft using blankets and branches. Went on it. Oh, I was hoping a mattress would be involved mm-hmm. in this boat. It sank. They almost drowned. Okay. The next day, Lorimer insisted on swimming across the river. They hadn't eaten since Friday. Oh, Lorimer boy. tied a blanket rope around his waist and went into the river and sunk. Yeah. They tried to pull him out, but the blanket tore. That was the end of Lorimer. <laughs> he had a good run, though, huh? Then they walked a very short distance and found a huge tree had fallen across the river. <laughs> ah, ah! I wish he'd just... Ah. <laughs> right here. I mean, right here. The next thing we would have seen. Wow. Boy. Let's tell his wife he died valiantly. But, yeah. Not eight feet short of a tree. <laughs> Maybe he saw the tree. Back it. Let's give it a whirl. A hard cross. I'll swim it. <sighs> Tie a blanket around me. It'll be fine. Um, that afternoon, they reached their desti- destination. On June 7th, 1827, Jorgen learned that his ticket of, le- ticket of leave had been granted. So he's free. Okay. He was now free to choose where he wanted to work. He literally ran out of the office as soon as he learned, without saying a word, took a boat to Hobart, and got shit-faced. <laughs> We've all been there. Then he became disorderly, which was a misdemeanor, and he was arrested and fined five shillings. Guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean he's celebrating. And before he's managed to ruin his life again gambling. This is so yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. No, he's right there. It's the celebration. <laughs> he's mid-party. What do you mean? No, I'm partying. Get back. In 1828, he was hired as convict constable in the town of Oatlands. He was good at it. Jorgen was known to rise as early as 2 in the morning if he was following a hunter a tip. <laughs> he wrote that he was never more happy, which might have been because another part of Jorgen's job was to sit in pubs listening for information. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I can tell you all the specials. Uh, in... A year, Jorgen helped capture over 50 thieves and outlaws, including a large gang. In the gang was a 23-year-old woman named Nora Corbett. She was a convict from Ireland who ran away to join her boyfriend in his sheep-stealing gang. She was illiterate, and her prison report described her as, quote, bad. <laughs> Not well, illiterate over there, are they? Nope. they got a strong vocabulary. <laughs> Nora agreed to become a witness against the gang to reduce her sentence. She was placed in Jorgen's care, and they started fucking. Okay. Mm. Jorgen asked her to marry him. The gang <laughs> off Mary. Yeah. So Jorgen asked her to marry him. Can you knit me a mattress out of wool? <laughs> Easily. <laughs> the gang offered a reward for the murder of Nora and Jorgen. Jorgen's boss recommended him for a pardon and wrote it in a letter. That night, Jorgen found... Nora in a pub surrounded by ten men with a glass of gin in front of her. He lost it, swearing and raving and swinging away. He was arrested for drunkenness, violence, and the use of indecent language and, quote, certain very unmannerly actions. 
but he was not suspended from the field police because it would have looked very bad. He blamed being with a, quote, wild Irish girl. (laughs) The boss threw out the letter of recommendation he had just written for him that day. And when the trials were over, Nora was assigned as a servant in a remote country location to keep her safe. At the end of the year, she was granted her ticket of leave. Jorgen then joined in the hunt for indigenous people, as everyone in Tasmania seemed to at that time. He was very successful, exhausted, uh, very unsuccessful, exhausted, and his frustrations obvious. A police magistrate wrote, quote, Jorgensen was really insane many days last week. It's only seven days in the week. How hard is it to... Three days would do. Many days. Not Saturday. Success led Jorgen... Uh, anyway, he got a conditional uh, pardon. Uh, to celebrate, he got drunk, was arrested, and fined five shillings. He was given 100 acres as part of his pardon and would get another 100 if he used it well, but he had no clue what to do and he had no money for sheep, so he sold it. Okay. On January 25th, 1831, Jorgen married Nora. Jorgen's employer was officially required to give Lieutenant Governor Arthur his opinion on the marriage. And he wrote, quote, I have often told Jorgensen that his ruin is inevitable if he marries this woman. His infatuated attachment to her has now existed a long time, and as it cannot be subverted by any reason or reflection, I most respectfully beg leave to solicit His Excellency's permission for the man and woman to be married. Nora Corbett did most undoubtedly render very great service to the police since time since in breaking up several gangs of desperate villains. I know nothing to the woman's prejudice save that of being much addicted to liquor and of her propensity to beat and scratch Johnson when she's drunk. (laughs) Okay. He was right. The couple spent their time drunk. Nora was often yelling or hitting Jorgen. Nora took in laundry, and Jorgen started writing for newspapers. And in 1832, Nora was arrested twice for assault and theft. Jorgen asked Lieutenant Governor Arthur to put her in, quote, a hospital or elsewhere to cool the fermentation of her blood. Oh, boy. But she was acquitted on a technicality. They sound like a couple on Cops. (laughs) (laughs) This is totally the original Cops couple. Yeah, right. Jorgen later wrote Arthur saying she uh, had tried to commit suicide by swallowing a piece of copper. That'll... I mean, it was so much harder to kill yourself back then. I mean, really. But is it? You just jump off of something tall. Copper around. Copper. I just eat copper. I feel sick. Just drunk. Fuck you. I hate everything. (laughs) Did you just eat copper? Yeah. (laughs) Does that do anything? I don't know. Does it? I don't know. Well, okay. We agree on something. Um, Arthur sent uh, her to the factory, Hobart's dreaded women's prison. She was released after a month. One day, Jorgen came home drunk and found Nora with another man, a local butcher. They fought. The cops were called. And when the cops came, they found Jorgen sitting outside, half naked, his boots and trousers burning in the fireplace. Hey! What's the problem? Well, I don't know why anyone called you here. Did they call you because I said, fuck my pants? Fuck you, pants. Sir, are you fighting with your pants again? <laughs> Fucking pants. Okay. 
Let me ask you this. What did the pants do to you this time, sir? <laughs> Fucking. They were on you again? Yeah, I looked down and they're like, hey, <laughs> bitch. And I'm like, I don't need no pants. Your pants called you bitch, sir? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, look, we're not going to keep coming up here. Um, we're up here about every two to three days with you guys. It's either you and the Fuck pants. my you... boots. Okay. I'm going to leave you with your boots. Until something actually happens, we can't do anything. But you are out of pants. And um, <laughs> that's a problem for everybody. Uh, I don't know how we're going to handle that. I'll fight him. <laughs> You'll fight the pants? Fuck yeah. Okay, the I'll pants are on no... fire, which means you're a liar. And, um... How dare you. <laughs> you are going to then attack the constable. <laughs> Smart. Bottomless? <laughs> That's a hard position to defend from when you're like, you don't have... Okay, listen, what are we doing? Are we fighting? You've got a very strange stance. <laughs> Just a shirt on. What do you want? You to put pants on, buddy. Come on, don't do this. At trial, Jorgen said it was his right to burn his boots and pants. Yeah. Well, and then can't he... argue with that. No, yeah. it's his God-given right. <laughs> right. And that he wasn't drunk, and that the constable had barged in. That's why he attacked him. <laughs> he lost. <laughs> then the butcher paid Jorgen's bail. Jesus. Uh, what the guy a was weird... fucking Nora. Uh, small a... town. Small town. <laughs> yeah, that, that feels weird, though. <laughs> he just put a bunch of salami yeah. down. He's like, get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> in 1832, Jorgen was back in prison for debt. When he got out, Arthur hired him as a division constable in the t- small town of Ross. Jesus. Where teams of convicts had been working for five years on a bridge over the Macquarie River. Uh, but there was no bridge. There was no sign of a bridge. It was just a corruption operation. <laughs> okay. Arthur thought Jorgen could get to the bottom of it, and one day a drunk Nora in the town became violent, and Jorgen couldn't handle her, so the constable, constable was called. He left two prisoners unattended who escaped, and Jorgen was blamed. Pick that okay. up. It's totally ruining the like, feel of the 1800s. <laughs> Jorgen was told to resign from the police. The bridge was eventually completed in 1836 with the help of two new convicts. They created an artistic masterpiece sculpting Celtic motifs and gargoyle-like faces. There is a king and queen who are clearly Jorgen and Nora. Still there today. Still there today. Do you know what their key was? Huh? They started. <laughs> That's the secret to yeah, that bridge. If you want to make they a bridge, start making it. a bridge. Yeah. yeah. Jorgen finally received his full pardon in August 1835. Nora got hers a year later. Jorgen's old friend Hooker was now a famous and respected botanist in Scotland. He asked one of his friends in Tas- Tasmania about Jorgen because he was always looking for people around the world to send him uh, samples of plants. He was then sent a copy of Jorgen's autobiography. <laughs> Somehow Jorgen found out about it and wrote to Hooker, quote, I remember you, my Hooker. <laughs> He's making it... Okay. And I burst into a flood of tears. I was then determined to write, and if possible, to hear from you, and once more to see your handwriting. Oh, oh. man! Before the grave closes on me forever. 
Uh, Hooker did not write back. (laughs) (laughs) Getting excited about handwriting. (laughs) Everyone everyone in Tasmania knew Jorgen as, quote, his Icelandic majesty. (laughs) Thanks to his autobiography... He had other nicknames, Convict King, Little Napoleon, Dog Day King, because his Icelandic reign lasted only through eight dog days of a single summer. Did you say Little Napoleon? Yeah. <laughs> that was also his hip-hop name. <laughs> right, but he drops the little eventually. <laughs> little. I'm just Napoleon now. I'm a grown-ass man. Uh, on July 17, 1840, Nora died. The cause recorded on the death register was, quote, visitation of God. I didn't know you could die from that. Yep. Yeah, he just just comes in. He just come in the front of your house and be like, I'm I'm here, man. And then that's it. That's it. it. Yeah, you're out. I I think this is a typo. It says visitation of cod. Oh, God. Oh, cod. Cod. Three. She saw three cod. Oh, no, the three wise cod. (laughs) Night of the Cod! It's <laughs> my version. Sure. Mine's more of a horror movie. Yeah, for sure. Night of the Cod! Oh no, they're coming. <laughs> this summer, the Cod are approaching the beach. And they're deep frying you. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I'm telling you, Tim, there's something wrong with the fish all of a sudden. God Mark. damn it, won't you listen to me? <laughs> oh my God, Mark, stop going on and on. Here we go again. The quarter coming, the quarter coming, the quarter fucking coming, okay, Mark? The quarter fucking coming. This Would you summer relax? we asked the question what if Cod was one of us? <laughs> Look at the alignment of these fish, though. They're all of a sudden lining up. I think they're planning something. Mark, stop already. Jesus Christ with the quad philosophy. What the fuck is going on with you lately? I don't know. I'm just... I'm losing a little, I guess. But he was right. (laughs) (laughs) This summer in Cod We Trust. What if Cod was one of us? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> um, Nora was just 35. They had been married for almost 10 years. That August, Hooker's son, naturalist Joseph Dalton Hooker, came to Hobart. Jorgen sought him out several times. But Joseph Hooker... How's your dad? <laughs> Is your dad good? Did he get my letters? Have you seen his handwriting? Oh my god, his handwriting. A lot of times when I'd write him, I'd picture if I was the pen yeah. in his hand. Does that make sense or is that crazy? <laughs> I love your dad. I love your dad. <laughs> you remind me of your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write something down. <laughs> Did you get my note? Nope. That's weird. He didn't get it. That's the tune. He, Joseph greeted the, quote, shambling, weepingly sentimental Jorgen with distaste. 
He wrote to his father that Jorgen appeared, quote, in a half-tipsy state and in rags and begged for half a crown. He was quite incorrigible. He was always in that state when I saw him and used to cry about you. This is the king of Iceland, right? Yeah. Okay. Fulmer. Fulmer. Jorgen, on the other hand, was so overjoyed to meet Hooker's son, especially as the young man looked just like his father. Oh. August 20th, 1841, Jorgen collapsed and was taken to Hobart's Colonial Hospital, where he died at age 60 of an inflammation of the lungs and very, very, very possibly because of alcoholism. Right. <laughs> there is a plaque at an inn in Campbelltown where Jorgen worked as a spy. And in the northwestern town of Bernie, there is a street named after him. Uh, on May 2001, the local library gave free ice cream to every resident to celebrate his fame. Well, that's... That's nah. King of ice cream. <laughs> Iceland does not have any memorials to Jorgen. They regard him with a fondness, but not pride. That's kind of how they approach everything over there. <laughs> Icelanders today may know of him from a musical variety show translated as We Remember Jorgensen, which was first performed on 1970 and was broadcast on Icelandic television in 1994. Oh, my God. <laughs> On the television, right? Yeah. Well, that guy had Whew. quite a run, huh? I mean, what I'm getting out of that story is that you thought you were going to sell an extra show in Iceland, and you prepared a story for there. <laughs> and... You've kind of vaguely jammed it into Australia. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, if you're <laughs> insinuating that we overestimated our numbers in Iceland and had one burning a hole in Dave's pocket, I mean, that is outlandish. No. <laughs> no, I didn't uh, read about this when I was researching Iceland in the book. And it wasn't too long that I didn't want to do it then. No, that didn't happen. Wait a minute. But he, was, he spent more time in Australia. Quite a run do? in between, though. I mean, <laughs> I just wish he'd kind of declared himself king of Tasmania or something for a bit. Yeah. Like, why didn't you do that? Well, it's heavy. I mean, it's just not that. It's, he learned a lesson, right? right? At some point that he can't he? declare. Probably not. No, he didn't learn any lessons. They never he did. He didn't learn a lesson anywhere. I was trying to put a little silver lining in there, but. No, he didn't. guess he was just a bottomless shithead. Gumption, though. He was one of those guys. Forrest Gumption. He was like uh, the bad lieutenant of the early 1800s. Right. He's just addicted to everything. And bottomless. And bottomless. It all tracks. (laughs) All tracks. (laughs) Well, we should go. Um... (laughs) Thank you. Have a great evening. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th. 
Dublin, September 17th. And September 19th, Manchester. Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd. And Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in... Uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 